Ernest brought Hugo around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. You can go to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, that's all one word, keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com, and you can listen to over 160 episodes of uh, people from the Hoosier Hardwood. I mean, uh, Kent Benson, Rick Mount, Gene Cady, uh, Ligoti is having their 50th uh, anniversary of their 1971 Final Four team that played uh, in Indianapolis at Butler Fieldhouse. Um, just go over there to keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com and you can download any of those and listen at your leisure or just listen at the site. Um, I also have a, a couple of pages that are just uh, uh, basketball related with Indiana, all Indiana basketball, and that's Indiana Basketball Memories and Hoosier Hysteria on Facebook. I think if you go to Indiana Basketball Memories or Hoosier Hysteria, you'll also see that I have several other pages that I've kind of uh, delved out to just with my passion for the game of basketball. Uh, with all that being said, uh, once I graduated from Broderpool in 1986, um, uh, I got an academic scholarship to go to Indiana State University. And, uh, you know, in 86, it's seven years beyond Larry Bird. And, and uh, um, I, I should have gotten into the basketball program, but I didn't. Uh, like I was telling my guest before, uh, I started the show that, uh, you know, we were poorer than dirt and, you know, I had to get in there and get in four years and, and get out just because based upon uh, our financial situation. So it was nice to get the academic scholarship. But I think within the first couple of days of my freshman year there at Indiana State, Indiana State, 86 to 87, uh, we were kind of playing basketball and we lived in Cromwell Hall and uh, we came across to, uh, Ron Cheatham. And um, he was lived on the fourth floor there in Cromwell, and uh, we were on the tenth floor, me and Michael Ball, who had played basketball at South Vermilion High School, and they had won a sectional before he came to uh, Indiana State. And, um, you know, I thought college basketball players were kind of offsetting or kind of cocky or kind of uh, rude, and uh, come to find out uh, Ron Cheatham wasn't that, wasn't that persona. So he was a really good guy, even though he was a – you know, a scholarship athlete at Indiana State University, and he probably didn't know what he was getting into either. So uh, today we're talking to him, and he lives in the hotbed of uh, Indiana High School basketball, and that's uh, Martinsville, and, you know, home of the Martinsville Artesians, and, and uh, you know, John Wooden and Branch McCracken lived a, a farm away, I think, in that area. Uh, but um, I thank Ron for his time and helping to share and help keep the nostalgia alive. And Ron Cheatham, thanks for joining us. Billy, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the kind words in the introduction. Uh, yeah, Ron, tell everybody uh, about where were you, where you were born and raised. Was it was it Paris, Illinois? And also within that same question, you know, tell us a little bit about your family. Were, were your family a group of athletes? Did you have brothers and sisters? And uh, tell us a little bit about your mom and dad. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, uh, in Paris, Illinois. I grew up as a farm kid. And uh, I've got one sister who's uh, a couple years older than me. But um, so yeah, it's that uh, that uh, proverbial growing up in the rural setting uh, in Paris, Illinois. Got introduced to basketball in the fourth grade, 
and was uh, kind of that tall, gangly kid that was a pretty good athlete. Um, but kind of, kind of like you, fell in love with the game at an early age and had some great coaches to kind of uh, uh, whet the appetite of what could be. And and uh, but uh, mom and dad, they still live uh, on the farm that I grew up on, and uh, they're doing well. And um, we see them. Oh, they come over probably once, uh, once a month, once every two or three weeks. I've got some kids that are in sports, so they come over to watch, watch the boys, and um, see them quite often. You know, you, you and I are about the same age, if not the same age. And uh, you know, what w- did you follow Indiana State University when Larry Bird was there? Was that when you were following Larry Bird or heard about Larry Bird? Did you think that you wanted to eventually play basketball at Indiana State University, or what were some of your favorite colleges or professional teams that you followed as a youngster? Yeah, you. you... You know, a huge Larry Bird fan, and uh, that was the primary reason I wanted to go to Indiana State. Um, you know, it was a Division One school close to home, and, and Larry was an idol of mine. So um, that was, you know, as a as a senior, junior, senior in high school, that was kind of the, the height of the Bird era and Magic Johnson and all that. So, yeah, that, that was the primary reason that I decided to go to Indiana State. And tell us a little bit about what high school basketball was like in Paris, Illinois, compared to what you came to find out high school basketball was like in Indiana. Well, you know, Paris has a long tradition of uh, basketball right there in Paris, um, in the Ernie Evelyn gym. So, you know, we like Rick Gosnell, he had played for Paris and went on to play college and he was one of my coaches in high school that that helped me kind of uh, see the vision of what could be. But it, it's so different than what it is today. You know, this was prior to AAU, so you know we get together as a team once or twice a week in the summer and play other school teams. Uh, but it, it was for sure a notch down from what Indiana basketball is. In fact, that's that's one of the reasons I think I gravitated to live and make my home in Indiana was, uh, you know, basketball is still a big part of my life. I love it. Um, you know, I've got two kids, two boys that play, and I'll enjoy going to practice and watching them sometimes. They're like, Dad, why do you like to go to to practice? I said, well, obviously it's one I like to watch you play, but, you know, even running some of these mundane drills that you see uh, going on in high school, I love watching it and kind of picking apart the deep tells of what a kid's doing right and what a kid's not doing right. But that's that's real enjoyment to me. I know I'm probably a little messed up uh, with, <laughs> with that enjoyment, but I do like watching the game. You know, the only reason that uh, some of us went over the border into Illinois was at that point in time in Indiana didn't have scratch-offs, and you go buy scratch-off tickets over in uh, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So how was, what was, you know, I've interviewed A.J. Guyton, and he's told me a little bit about uh, uh, how Illinois high school basketball is set up. But, uh, you know, Indiana high school basketball had one true true state champion all the way up until 1997. What was your Mm guys' playoff system like? You know, a two-tier system. So there was single A and double A. In Paris, we were in the double A uh, bracket, so a large school. Um, so, so, you know, we, we won our regional, and in Illinois it's regional and in sectional, and in Indiana it's the opposite, but 
my junior and senior year, we won uh, we won our uh, regional championship uh, over Charleston each year. Junior year, we won on a last second shot by David Thompson, uh, and then the senior year, we won I don't know by eight or ten points. But so so we were competitive. But once you get into the upper levels, you would compete against the Chicago teams or East St. Louis teams, and um, you know that'd be like a 6A school here in, in Indiana, uh, 5A school competing against. So it was a two-tier system, but you've got the Chicago teams, the East St. Louis teams that usually dominated when it came to tournament time. And, Ron, what, what, so did you guys have a basketball hoop at the house? Is that uh, where you kind of uh, honed, your, honed your jump shot and stuff like that? Yeah, in fact, I was. We were over there, over to my folks last weekend, and uh, I was telling one of the kids that this is where the basketball hoop stood. It was one of those half uh, moon shaped backboards. I can still remember my dad putting it up, and uh, had gravel, so uh, you know the dribbling was was uh, not the perfect situation, but. Uh, yeah, I spent hours out there, hours uh, in the hot summer. I can remember playing, uh, shoveling, shoveling it off with a uh, uh, when it snowed, and and uh, wearing gloves that had the fingers cut out, and and spent hours out there from you know sixth grade through the high school. Once I started driving, I could make my way into town and find a gym. But um, growing up, that's where I spent a lot of the time. You know, we always thought that you had just a, a, a perfect-looking jump shot. What, is that something that you just worked on as a youngster before getting to high school, or was it honed once you got into high school, or did, did someone help you out with that, or was it just on your own? You know, it was various coaches, but, um, you know, the, the whole three-point shooting hadn't really come into play, but, um, you know, by the time I got in college, I think that was the first year of it. You know, it was just tweaking a little bit here and there. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but that was, in my mind, the jump shot was something that I really wanted to perfect. And I would say probably between my freshman and sophomore years in high school is when I, I kind of perfected that. I, You know, as a, as a sophomore, I was starting varsity and uh, I think we had played two or three games into the year and ended up breaking my ankle and set out the rest of the year and I think that's when I really focused in on the details of the the shot and tried to perfect it to to what it became. Did you guys ever meander over to Terre Haute uh, while you were before high school even while you were in high school to watch uh, basketball games at the Holman Center? You know, uh, no, we really didn't. Um, we played a few, I think, South Vermilion and maybe West Vigo in high school, but um, really didn't get a taste of Indiana basketball, um, what it was all about until uh, living in Indiana. Uh, you know, you, you got some of it in college, but and, and I've lived in Minnesota and Oregon, and we ended up back here in Indiana. But, um, you know, the the kids when you're and your kids are involved with sports you kind of get that whole flavor of what indiana basketball is about so no growing up in illinois i really didn't have an appreciation of uh of indiana basketball one of my best friends uh was a big bobby knight fan and and that's i can still remember i kind of liked the illini growing up 
But uh, the more I found out about Bobby Knight, the Indiana basketball, the hard nose, you know, that whole legendary system, the more I became uh, kind of the mecca of basketball and, and to move to Indiana. And you had the Lou do there at Illinois at that time, didn't you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and, you know, a lot of those kids at that time came out of Chicago. So, um, you know, I don't remember what the name of it was, but with Kenny Battle and those guys, that was a phenomenal time to to watch Illinois play. Ron, when did you start to get interest in your basketball abilities for college? You know, I, I would say, you know, uh, when I broke my ankle, you know, I, I look back on my my time, and that was, you know, that was a struggle, and, and uh, it really fueled the fire for me to, to get better. I felt I, left, I missed out on a year. Um, so that, that time between the sophomore year and junior year, I, 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 I turned up the heat as far as the amount of time I spent in the gym and the workouts and things like that. I was probably 6'2 as a sophomore, 6'2", 6'3". So I knew there was some, some opportunity there. I just wanted to, to see how, how far I could take it. And uh, so junior year, I kind of got interested in, in thinking about colleges and uh, as a junior in high school. Do you remember the first letters that you got from uh, colleges for you to come play basketball for them? You know, you would start, and it's it, it was it's completely different than what it is now. But you would start. I'd get four or five letters. Um, you know, a week, a day, and all these are smaller schools, Division three, NAI, NAIA schools. Um, you know, so so it was more of a mail campaign than anything. And I can remember taking some visits uh, around to some of the smaller Illinois colleges. Um, but, it, you know, today, in today's market, you almost have to market yourself and the thing that's becoming apparent is I, I didn't realize there's that many colleges out there, but there there are a ton of small schools out there that are looking for the student athlete to come and play for them. And tell us, and we all know that you went to Indiana State University, but tell us what was the closest possible school that you may have worn their uniform rather than be a Sycamore. You know, I think uh, Northern Iowa uh, showed some interest. I went out there to a camp. Um, I think Northern Iowa, uh, Wabash College. I think I took a visit in Indiana to Wabash College, uh, Milliken University in Illinois. Um, those are the ones that kind of stand out um, as far as showed some interest. Can you tell us the recruiting process and, and when did you first meet Coach Green or was it a an assistant that came to watch your games? Or tell us a little bit about the recruiting process uh, to Indiana State University. You know, it started out, I believe it was Al Perry, that uh, would come over and, uh, you know, he wanted to see a workout. So, you know, put on a, a workout for him. And, it, you know, it was just over time. It, it was probably a period of six months or so that, um, you know, they expressed some interest. We talked back and forth. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a hard sell from my standpoint. Uh, I think they they invited me over for a couple games. I remember seeing John Sherman Williams play. I think he was a senior uh, when I was a senior in high school. And uh, Rick Fields, I think, was still playing. And 
so, you know, I'd say my senior year I got interested. They got interested in me, and I went over a few times and watched the Sycamores. And uh, as I said, that, that was my number one uh, college that I wanted to go to. You know, John Sherman Williams uh, used to work for me a little bit in Indianapolis after uh, oh. I came out of Indiana State University, and what an amazing ball player. I, I just I loved watching him play the game. Yep, yep. No, it was he was uh, he was a spectacular athlete, great basketball player, good person, and um, it just seemed like that was a good fit to kind of you know at that time Indiana State was trying to turn the corner and kind of come up through the MVC, so it was kind of an opportunity to to be on a, a train that was going in the right direction. You know, once you got to Indiana State University, were you a little nervous? Were you uh, a little apprehensive? Uh, did you know? Did you start working out as soon as you got to campus? Yeah. So you know, small town kid. Um, you know, never really been off the farm very much. Coming to, to Terre Haute, who you know, I, I'd been there shopping and we would take trips, but. Uh, you know, not playing at AAU, not not being exposed to that level of athletes coming on campus. So, yeah, we uh, we started working out right away. And uh, uh, high school uh, back in the 80s, weight, the weight room wasn't a big priority. In fact, I uh, I can't remember really working out that much in in high school in the weight room. But as soon as we got to Indiana State, that became Came part of the program in the summers. We would we would have summer jobs uh, and and stay there and work out and 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 work on our games. But yeah, it was a little intimidating. Um, I tell a lot of my friends. My uh, I think it was the summer between you know before the dorms opened up. Um, was living with uh, Olafemi Akinola, uh, Richie Adderley, and uh, I think. Maybe this was my sophomore year, but uh, Tim Ayalakajaw. So here's a here's a kid from Paris, Illinois, living with uh, two Africans and a Bahamian, um, <laughs> and it was it was and they're they're great friends, great people. Uh, learned a lot uh, about their culture and uh, just uh, lifelong friends. But that was it was a big change for me going to college. Now, was it also a big change? It really didn't affect me much, but the stench of Terre Haute? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, growing up so close to Terre Haute, that was always uh, uh, kind of in the background. So, you know, as you know, Cromwell, sometimes you had to shut the windows. I think that was (laughs) pre-air conditioning. So it might be 100 degrees outside, but you had the window shut because of that, uh, that odor. I think didn't they make a song about that with uh, "Ooh that smell" or something like that uh, around that around that time? And 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 for people people, it's Terre Haute just doesn't stink. It's just I think the world capital of uh, railroad ties being made, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I think there was a. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I think there was uh, some kind of railroad. Uh, creosote plant there that gave that gave that odor off yeah and then the other biggest thing on campus was if you were going to the mall was it honey creek or honey crick yeah 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 Yeah. so growing up in paris we would go to honey creek um (laughs) 
you know, a couple times, a few times a year. But, yeah, it was it was good. Did did you know what you were going to get into with Coach Green? Had you met him before you actually got to campus? Or, or what was your kind of uh, expectations before you uh, met him or, you know, after you met him? You know, you, you don't really, you know, as an 18-year-old kid, you, you don't really think through the situation you're getting into. So, you know, I, I like Coach Green. Um, he was a, 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 you know, a big guy that was somewhat intimidating. Um, as a player, you probably had more interaction with the assistant coaches. Uh, Mark Atherton, Al Perry uh, were, were a couple of the guys that, that stood out. That were, you know they were in the weight room with you. They were in the conditioning, the workout part of it. Uh, the day to day, you know, going to classes, going to study tables. Uh, they were more in the trenches, so uh, you developed a relationship with them. But but Coach Green was, uh, you know, I, I was thankful for the opportunity that he gave me and uh you know i think i played three years for him and then and then uh tate's lock came in which um you know that's a whole different dynamic that as an 18 year old you don't really think or anticipate um how it's gonna how it's gonna play out and you also eddie bird was on your team also so uh, i'm assuming you have some pretty good stories from eddie or was he a pretty quiet guy you know, Eddie. Eddie is a is a friend of mine. In fact, he he was the best man at my wedding. But he came over. He and I came over at the same time. I believe he was redshirted his first year. So my sophomore year, Eddie and I had played together. We we lived um, we lived together off and on for those four years. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of stories. But Eddie's a great guy, uh, great basketball player, and. Uh, um, you know he's doing real well. I think he's in Terre Haute still, and and uh, doing pretty good. I mean, it has to be. It. I mean, it has to be really hard to be a younger sibling of, you know, arguably one of the top five or uh, uh, even more basketball players, you know, in the world in the history of the game. So, um, did, did that play on him a lot, or did you ever see that kind of bother him, or is it uh, Eddie Bird was his own guy? You know, I, I really think Eddie was his own guy. He knew stepping into Indiana, Indiana State that there would be the comparisons, and you know, you're not going to fill Larry's shoes. Uh, um, but yeah, I think Eddie just kind of took it in stride. Um, you know, there there were, Larry would come over uh, and play some with us in the summer, so that you know that was a thrill uh, being around. Uh, um, you know, a guy that you idolize. I will tell you a story. We were at the Boston Connection at the pool um, one day, and, and uh, you know, Eddie and I are, are sitting there, and Larry's at the pool, and um, he asked uh, Eddie to go get him a, a can of chew and gave him, I don't know, five bucks or so. And so Eddie and I went to uh, went to the gas station to, to get the, the chewing tobacco and brought it back, gave it to Larry. And the first thing he asked was, Hey, you got my change from uh, from Eddie. So I, I thought that was pretty pretty funny. <laughs> what was it like uh, a meeting or shooting around or or or, or uh, chatting or talking? Were you nervous uh, uh, with Larry, or was it you know was it very often that he would show up to practice? Or uh, I mean, was he kind of, was he an ambassador to Indiana State still at that same time while playing you know with the Celtics? You know, he was on his final stages in his career you know he had some injuries and things but 
No, he would show up every once in a while um, at the Boston Connection. And then, uh, you know, I can remember one time playing in in, uh, in a pickup game uh, with him. And uh, it was just amazing. Here's a guy 6'9", and, uh, you know, playing with college athletes. We were all playing as hard as we possibly could to kind of try to make an impression on him. And and you could tell he was in maybe third gear and outplaying every one of us. Um, you know, he would, he came away with a scratch on his neck, I can remember, because, you know, we were all going out and wanting to show him, you know, how hard we were going to play. And uh, it just came very – it was it was amazing how easy and natural it came to him. And, and Eddie had a lot of the same – you know, Eddie's not 6'9", uh, but he had the – he had some of the same instincts that Larry had. Larry was always two or three steps ahead of us, and this isn't a pickup game. Uh, it was just it was day and night the difference uh, between your regular college athlete at a at mid mid level uh, college versus a, 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 an all world pro. Ron, tell us, tell us a little bit about your first year. Was it? Uh... Uh, was it what you thought it was going to be? You know, were you nervous? Do you remember the first game that you played? Tell us a little bit about your your freshman year. Yeah, you know, it, it went fairly well. I can remember, um, you know, part of the challenge during my tenure at Indiana State was, uh, you know, every year there was a new team that was put in place through either, you know, people would leave and grades. But the freshman year coming in, I, I can remember one of the highlights was, we were taking a we were taking a trip to Hawaii. I had never been uh, west of the Mississippi River, and here's a kid from Paris, Illinois. that was going to go to Hawaii for the for the first tournament. I, I think it was a Christmas holiday tournament. But um, you know, I had some pretty good games. Started probably half half my time, and um, you know, I I can't remember exactly what the the win loss record was, but it was. It was kind of what I thought. I mean, um, you know, as a freshman, you're coming in, trying to fit in, trying to um, adjust to the, the the difference in athletic ability than what you're used to playing. And and uh, uh, can remember very positive uh, positive time my, my freshman year of college. And was you know your first game? Did, did you step back and take it in? Is it kind of a blur today? Uh, do you remember, you know, running, you know, being announced in the starting lineup? I mean, do, do you remember that clearly, or is it just a blur today? You know, I, that's kind of a blur. I mean, that that was my goal was to get to Division One college and uh, to play and uh, to play the game I loved. And you know, once you get there, then you have to kind of set your sights on. Well, maybe it's not want to start. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't remember uh, you know the, the lineup, the starting. I can remember some of the press clippings that um, you know was in the newspapers and things like that, pictures, and I think my mom may have kept all those. So um, you know, looking back at those, it kind of refreshes the the memory of you know playing Fresno State in Hawaii and. Uh, some of the, you know we had a trip to uh, San Francisco one year, but that was a that was a big deal uh, back then. And some of the trips every year we tried to have a, a trip to go somewhere to kind of see parts of the United States. And how how did you 
did you enjoy playing on the floor at the Hallman Center? Or uh, because at that time I still think it was a uh, that rubbery substance, but did, 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 did you enjoy it? Was that a, a, um, a hurt on your body? Did you enjoy it? Did you wish that it would have been wood? Oh yeah. There, there's a huge difference in the wood and that, that tarpon rubber floor. That was, it was really, um, it was really bad. Um, and, and hated playing on that, that floor. I, I, I I think it may have been my senior year that we got a wooden floor. It's a day and night difference. Um, you know, my sophomore year at Indiana State, um, just before the season started, I went back to Paris and was playing a pickup game with, with some of the guys uh, in, in Ernie Evelyn Jam and came down my, my knee and, and uh, it locked up on me. So went back to practice uh, at Indiana State, uh, and this was probably September or so. October, uh, August, late, sometime in the fall, and I uh, couldn't hardly walk, and I had torn a meniscus in my knee uh, my, right at the beginning of my sophomore year, and, uh, you know, the decision was made to, to kind of gut it out and try to play through the season, so then I had arthroscopic surgery after the season, um, but, but whether that came from the floor or not, I don't know, um, but it, it wasn't a joy to play, I can tell you that. You know, so so you actually probably enjoyed more of going to uh, uh, other uh, team or other teams in the conference to play just because it was just a, a better flooring. You know, part of it, but you know, there's no there's no comparison to the fans and the confines of your own home. I mean, the facility was 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 good. The floor was was less than par, but you've still got your fans, and um, you know, being home was still a special place at home and center. And, and what and, we go ahead. And probably the the, the 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 best memory of Holman Center is you, you know you come in a back door and you've got the oh the person opening the door you'd see them every day at practice and the facilities managers they, it was pretty neat to have a relationship with with them and um, you know they got you into the whether it's concerts or other things that you need to get into they could always get you into it. Man, there was there was a concert there. Which one was uh, Winger, Poison, and Cinderella? Was that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember Poison. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe I was going to the Holman Center to see an actual rock and roll concert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron, what yeah. was what was? Were your expectations at Indiana State? Were they? Did you did you feel like you guys had a better team than you did? Did you did you feel kind of disappointed at times while you were at Indiana State, and how did you kind of uh, uh, get over that? You know, you, you, coming in, you, you know, in high school, you're on a winning team, and then and, and then coming into a program that's going through some changes and trying to find its identity, it was it was a lot to learn and a lot to process, and you know, maybe halfway through your your college career, you start realizing that. You're not going to play basketball the rest of your life, and you start focusing on the academics and degrees and things like that. But I will tell you, you know, we had four four years, and they were all somewhat difficult years. Uh, as I mentioned, each year was a new team, and you had to get used to the chemistry, and uh, you had a coaching change. Uh, you know, in the third fourth year of of uh, my career there at Indiana State, and 
uh, those were all things that you had to deal with. So when I look back at that, it was four years of struggle from a from a basketball standpoint. But um, you know, there was a lot of good that came out. If you look at those kids that went through that program, I can say Travis Simmons, Greg Thomas, Dion Campbell, uh, Femi Akinola, some of those Rob Vickers that went through that struggle. All of them are successful today in their careers after basketball. So. You know, that whole mental game of every day bringing your best, even though you're losing more games than you're winning, uh, preparing for practice, uh, getting through the struggles. I mean, I, I can remember coming home one night from a game, I think it was Drake or somewhere, we get in uh, from Indianapolis to, to, the, to uh, Terre Haute about 10 o'clock at night, maybe it was 11 o'clock at night, and uh, Coach Green was pretty upset. We had practice right there on the floor. Um, in the uh, in the uh, auxiliary gym uh, till about one o'clock in the morning. So you know things like that. The struggle, while it wasn't pleasant to go through, I, I really believe in my heart of hearts that it it's uh, it's caused positiveness in, in in a lot of the players that went through that. Well, well said. Very well said. Uh, so, what was the coaching change like? What uh, what what do, what does a basketball player go through, or his mindset when there is a coaching change? And you're getting uh, the coach that's coming. The coach that's leaving is a, a well known from Indiana and all, all of that. But also, too, you have a, a well known coach that's uh, coming in to uh, coach you for your final season. How 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 do you guys get through that? And how uh, you know how easy was it? Well, you know, trying to change the culture, which is what Tate's Coach Locke was was trying to do. Um, one, it takes time. It takes the right players. It takes attitude, a lot of work, and it wasn't going to happen, you know, overnight. Um, so, you know, you've got a new sheriff in town, new new rules, new uh, new coaches, new assistant coaches, new people to get relationships with. You've got several kids that are coming in. And, you know, Greg Thomas is a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a freshman. I was a senior. Uh, you know, you're mentoring those kids. You, you form new relationships with them. The team is still the team. And, you know, that gel, that bond is there. And, um, you know, so there's a mix of older maybe kids from the previous administration uh, and then the new, the, the new, you know, his recruits, the new coaches' recruits has come in and blending that whole chemistry, um, you know, as a senior, I, I was going into my senior year, you know, my job was to try to create that chemistry and blend that um, as much as I could. And and knowing full well that this new coach um, wants to get his players in, even though we're all his players, but, he, you know, he's, he wants to build for the future. So I can remember the first few games, I didn't get hardly any playing time uh, um, because, um, you know, some of the, the Tate's uh, players that he had recruited um, were uh, were brought in and, and, and playing. After four or five games, um, you know, I, I was given a ch- chance to kind of get into the lineup and and uh, did did okay. So it was a lot of change. Ron, I, I have a story, and I probably should have told you this story before uh, we got on air, but my story is that for some reason, somehow, on the 10th floor at Cromwell, we had our windows out of the, uh, our, our screens out of the windows for some dumb reason, and I dropped a cassette out the window, and it was probably five minutes later, 
there's a knock on uh, Michael and my our door, and I open it up, and Larry Bush is standing in the doorway. Oh. And Larry Bu- <laughs> Larry Bush is saying, "Did you throw a cassette tape at me?" <laughs> and I just remember looking at Michael and going, "No, sir. No, we did not. No, sir." Yeah. And uh, you know, he's like, "All right." He kind of pulled the do- kind of like Shaq and blue chips, kind of pulled the door back shut and. And I, I think I had to go change my pants, but but was was Larry Bush? Yeah, uh, he was with you for a couple of years, also, right? Yeah, Larry Bush. Uh, I think he was out of East Side Chicago, and Darian Applewhite and Chris Harris. They were all. I think we all came in at about the same time as a freshman. And uh, you know, here's a kid from Paris, Illinois, and and I think Chris and I think uh, they were all from the Chicago area. Uh, one, one of my fond memories, I think it was between my sophomore, maybe it's freshman and sophomore year, but we would have summer jobs, and uh, I think I was the only kid that had had a car. My job was to go around pick up Larry Bush and Jerome Stainback, and uh, we took him out to uh, Max Gibson's farm, and we would mow and we'd eat, and you know, here you've got some inner city kids from Chicago that had never done that. Uh, but it, it, we had a lot of fun out there. It was hard work, but uh, you kind of bonded as a team, and they got to know me. I got to know them. And uh, but yeah, Larry was a, a beast of a man. He he was about six eight and probably I don't know two sixty two seventy, and and uh, he, he was a beast. I guess I'm lucky to be alive. Yeah, you you are. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, I have... he was kind of a gentle giant. He he would he would come across pretty aggressive, but he. He was he is a pretty good dude. Ron, I, you know, in all the interviews that I've done, I don't have this question just popped in my head, and I, I have never asked this question, but but what kind of advantage do you think you guys got with the ladies for uh, over us people who are just students? You know, I have <laughs> I have no idea. Um, you know, it was it was a. Uh, um, you know, basketball was somewhat of a, a struggle for the four, four years. And, you, you know, people will say, oh, the poor the poor college athlete, they've got a, you know, it, it's kind of a job and you've got studies and, and, and this and that. But there there are a lot of perks to being a, a college athlete. And, and uh, you know, the interaction with the female population was, was one of the positives. So it was, uh, you know – your name's kind of out in front, uh, whether you're a baseball, football, basketball player, but it, it definitely gave gave an advantage in in the, in that contest. Uh, did you know kind of uh, was your major uh, the same when you got there as a freshman, and did you graduate in the same major? And uh, what was your did you think possibly maybe professional basketball? But I, I want to major in this so that you know I have good uh, footing when I do graduate. You know, by the by the time my 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 senior year rolled around, I I was I don't want to say burned out on basketball, but it you know when you go through the the, the four years um, that that or the three years that we had went through at Indiana State, it it it, it kind of soured the taste. I really didn't want to play. I, it, it's kind of hard to say, but been there, done that. It got out of my system, so to speak. Um, so, you know, probably my junior year started focusing on more of what's the life going to look like after basketball. And um, throughout college, 
each summer. I, I really didn't like the school aspect of it. So when summer rolled around, I did not want to be in a class. I wanted a break. So I would get jobs. You know, one summer I was working for Max Gibson, you know, kind of doing farm work, which I was familiar with from growing up on a farm. But one summer I worked at uh, Old National Bank. I wanted to get a flavor for banking, um, uh, see if that was a career I wanted to do. Uh, I did an internship uh, with Forrest Shear one summer in the insurance uh, producer aspect. And uh, then then throughout, throughout school worked at uh, the Boys Club right across from Cromwell. So um, I needed a break act from from the academics. I, that wasn't um, that wasn't something I really enjoyed. So, but it did give me a taste of what I wanted to do after college. And always always liked stocks, bonds, investments. So my major was finance, and and got a business administration uh, major. And then uh, probably my sophomore junior year. Dr. Coleman was starting an insurance degree, and and he he was a, he went out to the athletes and and different folks and said here's a new degree you should consider it. So I got a minor in insurance, and uh, that coupled with an internship at Fort Shear, um, that's that's what I wanted to do after college was uh, going to the insurance profession. And what have you been doing since graduating from Indiana State? Tell us a little bit about your boys and and your wife. Well, I've got I've got five kids. Um, I've got three in college, three daughters that are in college right now. I've got my oldest daughter is a she's she's in her third year of vet school at Purdue. Um, I've got my my next daughter is a senior at Ball State. Um, she'll be graduating with an exercise science degree, and then my. My third daughter is in her second year at the United States Coast Guard Academy in Connecticut. And then I've got twin sons that are freshmen at Martinsville High School. So, you know, the last 10 years has kind of been um, just running kids, watching a lot of athletics, which, which, is a, which is a blast. Love it. So you got a basketball team full of kids, but going into your two boys yeah. meeting in Martinsville, what is, what's that like? You know, it, it's good and bad. I mean, it, it's all good, but um, you know, when when Dad played college, and uh, you know, you try not to put any um, pressure or expectations on them. Uh, I coached them, coached all of my kids from maybe first grade through fourth or fifth grade, and um, you know, enjoyed that. Spent t- spent a lot of time with them, and and uh, enjoyed it very much. But I think there comes a point where you've got to you've got to step back and let someone else coach them and someone else mentor them. And you're kind of, you're kind of along for the ride. It's not, it, it, you know, it's all about their, uh, what's going to benefit them the most. And a lot of times as a parent, you know, you need to just back away from the situation, and let the coaches coach. And, um, I kind of got my fill coaching them, you know, when they were smaller and younger and, and enjoyed that tremendously. But now, now I enjoy watching them and, and seeing them develop. You know, we we ran a little long, and we appreciate your time. But uh, I would be probably get in trouble for some people for not asking about the I call it the debacle between Wichita State and Indiana State University. And I hope you don't mind me asking. But do you do you have any memories from from that evening? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I keep reliving that in my mind over and over. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But it was, uh, you know, Darren Lyles uh, got into an altercation with Sasha Radutovich. And, you know, Wichita State was the big bully in the Missouri Valley at that time. And, I, you know, I think they were ranked nationally. And, um, you know, Sasha was a, a big boy that tended to, to kind of throw his weight around. I think Darren had had enough. And, um, so he, he took a swing at him, and I think I was on the floor at the time. And of course, the the benches uh, came; everyone came off the bench. So anyway, Darren got thrown out, and we were playing with four guys. It was myself and Jimmy Holiday, and <laughs> I can't remember who else. But but one of my memories is you know we we hung in there for a while. Four, four on five is uh, Jimmy Holiday would come down, pull a three, made it, went and ran back down the floor and showed the number one sign and it was the <laughs> the fans were going wild and it was uh it was a lot of fun um uh going through that debacle it was it was definitely a memory making situation and and what was the what was the mood in the locker room post game you know i can kind of remember coach green um kind of chuckling. I think he kind of thought it was, I don't want to say funny, but it wasn't a, we didn't get blasted for it, I can tell you that. I think it was, you know, it was a bully that uh, uh, was bullying that, that someone stood up to the bully. So I think I think in a in a weird way, Coach Green may have been kind of proud of us for, for doing it. So was he giving the business to Lyles all night and just Lyles just, just had enough and he couldn't take it anymore? I think, you know, it'd probably be in a couple years coming, you know, um, I don't remember if Sasha was a senior or junior, but as I mentioned, they were kind of the dominant in the Missouri Valley at that time. And, uh, Sasha was a big boy that was really physical. So I, I think Darren just had enough of it over either the game or the last couple of years. Uh, do you head back to Indiana state to watch any basketball or even back to, uh, Paris, Illinois to watch any high school basketball? You know, I'm actually going to Indiana State, Ball State this weekend. I'll probably get to one or two games a year. Um, it's been a long time since I've been to the Paris game. They, they had a they had an event a, a few years ago. I think it was the top 25 players that had ever played at Paris, and uh, that was the last time I went back to a, a Paris basketball game in Ernie Evelyn Gym. But you know, with the kids, uh, in the last 10 years, it's just been run, 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 and uh, usually squeeze in one or two from Indiana State um, per year. And, and tell us a little bit, you, you named the gym. Tell us a little bit who it was named after and why it was named after him. Well, Ernie Evelyn uh, Gym in Paris, Illinois, it, to this day, is probably one of the best gyms I've ever played in. It was built in the 1940s, and I think... Ernie Evelyn was the coach at Paris that had won the state championship in the 40s. Uh, but that, you know, Paris has since uh, got a new school, new gym. Uh, I'm not sure what the old gym is, is used for, but it, 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 was a, it was a great place to play basketball. Um, you know, the floor kind of sat down. There's a lot, there's several gyms like that in Indiana today. Uh, there wasn't, there, there weren't gyms like that in Illinois. And it was, it was, uh, it was a great place to play. The, uh, the gym was uh, packed every every night we played. Uh, fans, the the student section, and ecstatic, and and it was just a great environment to be a part of. 
You know that uh, you said that you were going to go to the Ball State Indiana State game coming up here. Um, that was one of the better games that uh, I went to and attended when um, uh, at Indiana State when you guys uh, beat Ball State. Yeah, that was one of the, the the wins that I can still remember, and that was uh, that was a big win. Um, yeah. And and Ron, what what did you know? Uh, Mike and I thought, you know, the slogan, if you can't beat them, cheat them, was great. But uh, what did you feel like when you came out on the basketball court and saw some of those signs uh, around? You know, it was interesting because I think it was the fraternity day or something, and each fraternity was in charge of making a sign and hanging it in the Holman Center. And I actually went and got that sign and kept it for several years after after that game. Um, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um you know, I was trying to get the students involved, and uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it very much. Well, Ron, it's been fabulous. I also want to thank you for kind of you know not you know being what I said at the beginning. It was uh, it was nice meeting you, and you would you would uh, say hi to me on campus during my four years. So uh, I appreciate that, but also too, I appreciate you spending some time with us to help keep the nostalgia alive and talk about your your Paris days and your uh, Indiana State University Sycamore days. And I, I wish your uh, family best of luck, especially your two boys on the upcoming basketball season. Billy, thanks for the opportunity. I I enjoyed it, and, and good luck to you, too.